Hi, I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. And on this episode, we're going to prehistoric times again, I think. Yes, it's for the 2013 DreamWorks film The Crids, which is getting a sequel soon. This month, correct? Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to be talking about the original Crudes and giving a little preview of the second one. But before we do that, let's answer last week's trivia question, which was, what was the name of a short-lived show that featured Pinky in the Brain and starred one of the characters from Tiny Toon Adventures? It was called Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain. Similar to how there's been a short-lived spinoff to Tiny Toons called The Plucky Duck Show, this one featured Elmira Duff, that troublemaking girl from Tiny Toon Adventures. And it was on from November, September 19th to November 28th of 1998, right when Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs ended. So all these shows ended at the same time, basically. Yeah, but I'm glad they're bringing them all back. And Hulu at the same time is doing one for Tiny Toons as well. Not Hulu, but HBO Max is doing one for Tiny Toons. Okay, so stick around to the end of this episode to get the next trivia question. For now, let's do a technology flashback. Just as a reminder for people, since it's been a while since we've done one of these, every now and then we like to highlight a specific technology, whether it's a device or some kind of software or whatever it might be. So on this episode, what uh, piece of technology are we talking about, Ezra? The Barnes & Noble Nook. Yeah. So uh, remind people what the Nook was. It is, though, actually, still actually technically. Oh, that's a good point. It's. Barnes and Noble's e-reading service and devices. So it's kind of like uh, how the Amazon has the Kindle. Yeah, and they still make it today, though. It just wasn't as successful. There is a, a period of time where there's a lot of different varieties of these. There was a lot of these different devices coming out doing the same thing. And it's a big competition kind of weeding out to see who could create a better version. In this case, uh, even though the Nook, as you said, is still being made, the Kindle is definitely the most popular e-reader. That's for sure. But yeah, it's an interesting kind of period of time when books specifically were starting to make the transition into technological devices. Yep. Okay, so that was a piece of technology from yesteryear. So let's get to talking about characters from yesteryear. <laughs> So as you said, Ezra, the first movie came out in 2013. Can you just give us a little history about it? Yeah, it's been in development as early as 2005 under the working title Crude Awakening and being made from Ardman. Yeah, I think it originally was based off of a Roald Dahl novel, The Twits. Yeah. In the time that it was first developed in 2005, uh, it underwent a lot of changes in in its script so i think the first script focused on just two cavemen characters who 
would team up. Um, one was modern and innovative and inventing new things and devices and that sort of thing. Uh, the other one was uh, basically a Luddite who looked at new technology as suspicious. Some of those characteristics got carried over into characters that appeared in the final film, but there were a lot of changes. The reason that original idea of that film was scrapped was because Ardman and DreamWorks broke up following the financial disappointment of the film flushed away. Yeah, and it's interesting because The Croods was also supposed to be a stop-motion picture, but once DreamWorks basically got all the rights back, they decided to go what is now becoming a more traditional CGI approach. And Ardman also, interestingly, in later years, did their own prehistoric film called Early Man. It's interesting because they had that idea and apparently it made an impression on them. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens in The Croods? There's a caveman family and there's the daughter, whose name is Eep, who's the main character in the film. And this is one of the DreamWorks movies with a female main character. And she wants to go to the outside world and she wants to do new, different things. But her strict, overprotective father, Grug, voiced by Nicolas Cage, he thinks new, different things are bad and dangerous. Yeah, so you have this pull between the characters where Eep wants to go out and explore Grug is fearful and it's just focused on surviving about what is safest to do. One of the earliest scenes in the film is them trying to get an egg from a bird to have breakfast. And I think it really sets up the premise of the film well, because as they're getting this egg, a bunch of other animals join in to try to steal the egg for themselves. It's this true true survival of the fittest kind of thing that's being set up. I know. And then nighttime, Eep meets a cool guy, cool person named Guy, who discovers new things, and also has a pet sloth named Belt. I'm not sure if this is uh, the case in the movie, but he, he looks more like a modern human being. The main characters of the cave people, they all look like more Neanderthals, I guess, but Guy looks like a modern-day human being, more so than, than the other characters. But you're right, so he is a big inventor, he's always coming up with these ideas, and he, when they meet, he's invented fire, and Eep freaks out and doesn't quite understand what fire is. She think at first she thinks it's the sun, then Eep later gets grounded by her father for disobeying him, then their cave is destroyed, and then they discover a world in the jungle of some strange creatures... Like punch monkeys and a saber-toothed tiger-like beast and a hippo whale, hippo whales and things and strange-looking swarms of birds. They're kind of like weird versions of piranhas, but as birds. Then they meet Guy and Grug at first doesn't like Guy or even trust Guy at, at the start. And why is that? Why do why does Grug not like Guy at first? He thinks these new things that he likes discovering are bad things. Yeah, because again, Grug is very conservative in his outlook. He he wants to keep himself and his family sheltered, keep themselves away from anything new, because in his mind, curiosity is literally deadly. If Yeah. Because there are big animals and stuff that want to eat you out in the world. So being curious is, in his mind, a bad thing. I know, and then as the family and Guy go out and 
have fun seeing new things. Everyone has fun experiencing the things, except for Grug, who has no courage of any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I guess we should also mention that at the same time, Guy is saying there's an apocalypse coming. Some world-shattering event is going to happen, and they need to get away and get themselves safe. Then Grug starts to act weird, I remember. Like, see, like, Hug r- rhymes with Grug, calling this a snapshot. Call the Rock rhymes with Grug, and Guy tells him that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Grug's trying to, like, he's jealous of Guy, and he's trying his own hand at inventing things, but he he's no good at, at those things. I know, and then when they reach a mountain, and then he sees a cave, because Grug is still only pretty self-centered because he only wants to remain in in a cave and then grug and guy get into a fight and then they get into some tar and later on grug learns a lot about life can you explain what happens after they fall into the tar pit guy explains when they do a like a puppet of looking like that beast they've been chased by yeah the the saber-toothed tiger that blue and green creature i remember when they get it to use it to get out of the tar, then they go out and then Grug sees how really useful and not bad new things can be. Yeah, it's also at that point that Grug learns more of Guy's backstory, that Guy's family actually died in a tar pit. And yeah, I remember. Before they died, they told Guy, don't just survive, live. And that has been his driving mantra basically his entire life since of trying to to get to a place where he isn't constantly worried about surviving and he will have a chance to actually live his life yeah i get it at the end of the film you know they reach where they're going but this cataclysmic event happens and separates the land what we're led to understand it's it's the continental shift so the lands are falling apart on one side, everything's being destroyed, and volcanoes are erupting, things are exploding, and on the other side is their only chance, basically, of surviving. Then Grug does a sacrifice for his life by tossing his family across there and, and going over that smoke of doom. And then he hugs his daughter and his family and that he learned a lot about life and ha- about reality. Then, right when we think... When the Bautu Grug gets trapped in a cave and then he does cave paintings and then we think he's gone, he's dead. It's a recurring trope like during the climax when we think the hero is dead like a lot of animated Disney movies have had that. But then they come back and it gets happier. Yeah, he figures out, he comes up with his own invention where with the help of the saber-toothed tiger creature who actually isn't bad at all, they team up they come up with this contraption involving ribs of like one of the hippo whales that they saw and the piranha birds and the tar, and they're able to fly over the chasm and reunite with his family. He also brings that, that dog-like creature the who was named Douglas by his son, Thunk. <laughs> yeah, he brings along a few animals that they the family had met throughout their journey. And we think he's dead, but then he comes back. And then they, they're they in a new world, living happy new lives together. Before we talk about the sequel, because I think the sequel picks up directly from there, 
what what were some moments that you really liked in this movie? The funny scenes like when Belt goes da da da. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, whenever something bad is about to happen. Yeah, I know. I also remember when Grug and I mean then Guy and Eep were doing a puppet of one of those of that bird. <laughs> to trick it yeah they're trying to catch a bird to eat it i remember and then there's the pot the fire that that goes into some giant corn crops and then it turns into giant popcorn (laughs) this movie has a lot of moments where it plays with like since the these cave people don't understand new things they're always being confronted by these new things from guy and they don't quite understand it they think that guy not only invented fire but he can it's contained with him himself. So they like they do the thing where they see him manipulating with fire and then like one of them will grab him and like squeeze him thinking that they can make him shoot out fire. I know, yeah. I remember. Besides that, I also remember like in there has been a prequel show which has been one of the many shows on Netflix based on Dreamworks films and that it was called Dawn of the Crudes and it was on from 2015 until 2017. The Croods also came out in 2013, which also happens to be the same year as other films like Frozen, Monsters University, Despicable Me 2, Turbo, Planes, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, and others from that same year. It also has many similarities to another DreamWorks franchise, How to Train Your Dragon, only with prehistory. Right, which makes sense because the same director who worked on The Croods also worked on How to Train Your Dragon. That was Chris Sanders, who also, as as we remember, directed Disney's Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, so a lot of similarities between those three of the kind of character out of his element and having to learn and respond to a different type of person, or in the case of How to Train Your Dragon, a different type of animal altogether. Yeah, I know. This film, I know, was fun and interesting, and I remember... The song in the credits in the film was called Shine Your Way, performed by Owl City and Yuna. Interestingly, Owl City also did a song called When Can I See You Again from Disney's Wreck-It Ralph, which came out around the same time as this movie. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I mean, what what lessons do you think people were supposed to take away from this movie? Just because there are new things out there doesn't mean they're bad or dangerous things, and also it's good to have courage and bravery. Yeah, nothing new or out of the ordinary there, but certainly I think it was an interesting way of showing it through this backdrop of prehistoric times of a family fighting for its survival and having to learn to move beyond just surviving. I know, yeah. So yeah, that was the first film in this what's now becoming a franchise. Like other DreamWorks movies, Shrek madagascar kung fu panda how to train your dragon and trolls yeah exactly so what do we know about this second film that's coming out the crudes meet a new family called the bettermans which is for a a newer more modern family yeah the name's pretty on the nose so it's like a more evolved version of humanity living up to its name yeah (laughs) and then they meet a family who claim to be better and evolved you were right about that and then Eep and the Betterman's only daughter, Dawn, escapes, and Dawn becomes friends with Eep, and then the two families put aside their differences to save them. So I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of uh, similar kind of thrills, uh, a lot of similar kind of humor as in the first one. And 
Don has a pet sloth too, like Guy, and it's a pink sloth named Sash, who also Belt falls in love with. Probably a, a love triangle dynamic involved here. I know, and in the film, Hope Betterman, that's Leslie Mann's character, and her husband, Phil, is voiced by Peter Dinklage. And Kelly Marie Tran, Tran voices Dawn, their daughter, who befriends Ethan. Okay, so when does this movie come out? The day before Thanksgiving, November 25th. Yeah, so it'll be a, a Thanksgiving treat for some, I'm sure. We'll see if it lives up to the the first one. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. In the meantime, let's get a trivia question from Ezra. What famous voice actor voiced Barney Rubble in the Flintstones originally? Probably the most famous prehistoric cartoon out there. So if you know the answer, give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later. Bye!